1: This is the Joe and Amber podcast.
2: Before we get to anything else, can someone check on Kevin Winter? Did he swallow his tongue? Did his chin fall off his face? What happened there at the beginning or middle, I should say, of that update? Tremendous update as always. Letting the people know the important stuff. Utah, a six-point favorite against Florida tonight, but... Felt like there were issues. Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Thank you for spending some of your time with us this evening. It is greatly appreciated. Amber's out. Courtney Cronin is in. Courtney, you heard what I heard. Do you think he's all right?
3: I think he's fine. ACC is hard to say, Joe. Say it ten times fast. <laughs> and don't stumble. ACC.
2: All right, so we're going to give you three letters. Two of them are the same. And we're not going to confuse you. Both of those letters are going to be from the first three in the alphabet. So there's not a whole lot here. But sure enough, and I kid because I love. I know what it's like in the spoken word business, as do you. I I will get caught. There's a great Tom Segura bit where he spoke about how, when he, like, I'm not gonna do it justice, but basically being a fat slob back in the day, He would get to certain points where he's eating, and he would just run out of breath. And he would catch himself out of breath while eating, and he thought there was something wrong with him. And it's like, no, I'm just a fat slob. I'm running that out happens of breath to while me eating.
3: When I walk, so <laughs> I feel his pain, and it's all love for Kevin Winter. <laughs>
2: Joe and Amber presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. We've got a big NFL show for you this evening. College football in full swing tonight. We'll keep you updated on everything that's going on there as well. Maybe throw some bets your way. But we begin in the NFC North. Where the Minnesota Vikings have reached an agreement, a historic agreement for tight end TJ Hawkinson. It is a four year, $66 million deal at a minimum worth up to $68.5 million, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. At the max value of the deal, the average annual value of that max value would be $17.1 million a year. Courtney, this would make TJ Hawkinson the highest paid tight end in professional football. Had a hell of a year when he was traded over to Minnesota last season.
3: And it's amazing that that ear infection, that, I mean, it sounded serious. I was giving him the benefit of the doubt in (laughs) training camp. Man, is this Meniere's disease? Does he have some sort of vertigo? Vertigo that he's talking about, that ear infection, other weird illnesses that he was dealing with during the preseason. All of that magically goes away when your bank account now looks like TJ Hawkinson's (laughs) does.
2: Uh He was traded midseason from the Lions over to division rival Minnesota. It was a deal that sent Hawkinson a fourth-round pick and then another fourth-round pick, which was conditional. It turned out to be a fourth-rounder. That went to Minnesota. Detroit got a second-round pick and a third-round pick in response. Hawkinson quickly becomes one of Kirk Cousins' top targets, played 10 games with the Vikings, was targeted 86 times in 10 games, 60 receptions, 519 yards, three touchdowns. He is now the highest paid tight end ahead of Travis Kelsey, ahead of George Kittle, ahead of Darren Waller of the New York giants. Now formerly of the Raiders in the NFL, we were crunching some numbers before the show. I want to start with this. Nick Bosa in 2019, the pass rusher for the 49ers. He was the number two overall pick in 2019. Hawkinson went six picks later at number eight overall to Detroit. And then after that 16 picks later, yeah, the math is, the math is correct here. Josh Jacobs of the Raiders goes 24th overall. Jacobs was one of the top running backs in the NFL last year. He's on the franchise tag. He couldn't get a new deal. Bosa's holding out. He can't get a new deal. Hawkinson gets paid. Tight ends versus running backs. We'll talk more about Bosa later. If you look at the highest paid guys in terms of average annual value, Hawkinson 17.1, Waller 17, Kittle 15 million, Kelsey 14.3 million, Dallas Goddard of the Eagles 14.2 million. Five highest paid running backs: McCaffrey at 16 million in San Francisco, Alvin Kamara at 15 million in New Orleans, Derrick Henry 12.5, Chubb 12.2, Aaron Jones 12 flat. Tight ends worth more than running backs these days.
3: In a lot of ways, yes, because of how they're utilized in the passing game. Let's use Travis Kelsey as the example here because I know that everyone is thinking the same thing after TJ Hawkinson gets his deal where, hmm, what's what's Chris Jones up to? Maybe Travis Kelsey should go hang out with him for a couple days and make the Kansas City Chiefs wonder what life would be like if he just wasn't there. Now, I Oof. don't think any of that's going to happen. I think that the timing of this puts – Him in a weird situation to where he wouldn't not be there. They have the Thursday night game in a week from tonight against the Detroit Lions. I don't think that there will be any sort of hubbub about this, mind you, but he's utilized – as the top pass-catching threat, he has been that guy for Patrick Mahomes over the last couple of seasons. TJ Hawkinson comes in, takes that pressure in a lot of ways, off of Justin Jefferson in the passing game, becomes a reliable red zone threat for Kirk Cousins. Darren Waller, all that we're hearing about from the New York Giants is how much of a threat he is for Daniel Jones, a security blanket upgrading his pass catching options. And of course, George Kittle. We know no matter who he's playing quarterback with is going to catch a lot of passes. So yeah, in in that respect, they're treated like wide receivers in the way that they're utilized on the field and in the way that they're paid. And now that we're seeing we're talking about the value here, It very much skews towards the tight end position because you're not just getting guys. I mean, Cole Komet got a big deal from the Chicago Bears this offseason. Four years, $50 million, puts him further down the rankings than the guys that we just talked about. But because he's not just a blocker. I mean, tight ends don't do that anymore. They're not just split out to help block and be like your sixth offensive lineman. If they can be weapons in the passing game, if they can help run block and be a complete player all in one, they're going to get paid. So I do think that the in terms of the value, we know where NFL franchises are placing the priority. It's not at the running back position. It's for the TJ Hawkinsons of the world, the Travis Kelseys of the world, the guys who are truly – the pass-catching threat that wide receivers can be but in a bigger body and do more things in the passing game than they had done 10, 15 years ago, those are the guys who are going to get paid, not the running backs who also do a lot of those things and wear a lot of different hats but tend to get worn down more than tight ends.
2: I'm going to expand upon what you said just a little bit. Yeah, tight ends, everything they bring to the table now, the size, the speed, they're basically wide receivers with a little bit more size playing inside. They are, they have become so prolific in part because of how difficult they are to defend. Because you're not gonna play a corner on them most of the time. The corners are on the outside lining up against the wide receivers and the wide receiver who may be in the slot. So generally it's a safety Or a linebacker that draws the assignment of trying to cover a guy like Travis Kelsey, and those guys might not necessarily have the speed and coverage skills to keep up. Tight ends have become more like wide receivers, so the defense now has to try to keep up and counter, and that's what makes it so difficult when a guy is that prolific. Like, you look at the size that Darren Waller brings to the table, how do you match up with that? He's too big for a corner, but he's too fast for a linebacker. So you've got to find a hybrid safety who can do everything, and ultimately you can put yourself in a very favorable situation. It's just, where are we at now? I don't want to hear about special teams, kickers, punters, but is there any position out there that isn't currently more valuable than running back? You're not going to say pass rusher or interior defensive lineman, right? You're not going to say corner. I mean, is a running back more valuable than a strong safety or a middle linebacker maybe?
3: Safety was probably where I was going because my answer, if you would ask me a couple years ago, would have been off-ball linebackers. But we've seen a lot of them get paid. Fred Warner, Shaq Leonard, of course, Roquan Smith getting the big deal from Baltimore last year. So, no, that's a position that – really isn't undervalued for guys who are whose primary responsibilities are not rushing the passer safety would have to be the answer of like the next le- next least valued is that a way to phrase it like properly behind running backs because those guys just... are
2: scary you want to be careful with how you phrase it of if course. you think of the Brian Dawkins of the world the Ed Reeds of the world you don't want to it, no it, disrespect it, gentlemen it's Courtney saying this not me
3: it, well I'm not saying I'm I'm <laughs> I'm viewing it from how teams view it I don't want them coming after me but it's. The market for cornerbacks, when you think about like, you know, Trayvon Diggs getting his big deal, five years, $95 million from Dallas, like you don't see those same sorts of deals for the back end guys at safety. Now, they certainly are more valued than running backs, but as we look through like the echelon of all the positions on an NFL team, again, like specialists aside, you're looking at quarterbacks, number one, wide receiver, or probably defensive. Pass rushers. Let's just put it at that. Pass rushers number two. Wide receivers, corner tied probably for three because you need you need good ones. You need them on both. You need a cornerback that can be a lockdown guy who can shadow your number one receiver, and then in your own right have your own number one receiver. And then beyond that, tight ends, running backs. Or safeties and then probably running backs. Again, they keep falling to the bottom of the list because of how easy it is, for, at least in the eyes of NFL teams, to churn these guys in and out year after year after year. And when you were talking about kind of what the unicorn is of a tight end, somebody who makes it so difficult, like it's a miss, it's a mismatch nightmare. Like, do you have somebody quick enough and big enough to defend this player? Running backs provide a lot of challenges for a defense, too, but not to the degree in terms of the size and the durability that you get from a tight end, which is why we don't see them getting paid the way that a TJ Hawkinson got paid. And not even anywhere close, but but those contract talks, what we saw this summer, had a cap on them. Who knows now with TJ Hawkinson resetting the tight end market, who's going to be next? Darren Waller got traded. I would imagine at some point if this goes well for the New York Giants, they're going to want to sign him to an extension. George Kittle will end up getting another deal here, another contract or two. And then, of course, I'm really curious to see what Travis Kelsey wants to do with this because leverage is on his side. He has been the leading receiver for this team for several years multiple, multiple seasons. I think it's six in a row now where he's had more than 1,100 receiving yards. If I'm him, I'm saying, hmm, if I don't get a contract by Thursday, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think he's going to do that again, but he has leverage on his side, and he certainly should be knocking at uh, Brett Veach's door at some point to have talks, Just, just to throw it out there that, hey, he might need to rework his deal.
2: Top nine tight ends in terms of average annual value are all getting paid more than every running back in the game outside of the top two. You have nine tight ends. Not nine highest-paid tight ends are making more than everyone but Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara at the running back position. We're going to break that down. Tight ends versus running backs. Who's more valuable in your opinion? 888, say ESPN, Triple Eight Seven Two Nine Three Seven Seven Six. Do you agree that tight ends have passed running backs and are that much more valuable? We're going to let you weigh in. Plus, the Bills named their captains today. One of them? Very interesting for whether or not the organization is in as much trouble as some think. She's Courtney Cronin. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio.
0: Joe and Amber, the
1: podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition.
2: Alongside Courtney Cronin, my name is Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. There has been a lot of talk about the Buffalo Bills this offseason, and not in a good way. Recently, it was the news that Von Miller, pass rusher extraordinaire, was going to remain on the physically unable to perform list, thus missing the first four games of the season at a minimum. But the bigger story was the alleged supposed Proven, I don't know, beef between quarterback Josh Allen and wide receiver Steph Diggs that we saw rear its ugly head in last year's playoff loss to the Cincinnati Bengals at the Ralph in the divisional round of the playoffs. So we've been speculating all summer, you know, is there something going on in Buffalo? No one wants to pick Buffalo to win the AFC. No one wants to pick Buffalo to win the Super Bowl. A lot of people think the team's in trouble. And then yet today, here's the news. Stephon Diggs has been named a captain of the Buffalo Bills. Take a listen to Steph on being named a captain. For me, it means more now than it did when I was my first time ever being named a captain. It's just uh, the consistency of it, um, the respect from your peers. I know the biggest thing for me is always uh, earning respect from my teammates and the respect from my coaches. And uh, when you named the captain, it's like reassurance. It's like, damn, you are you might be halfway decent at what you do. You know what I'm saying? Not just professionally, but as far as like how you represent yourself and who you are as a man. Courtney, take me through this. If Biggs was a problem inside that locker room, Why would he be named a captain?
3: So most teams, and I'm going to assume Buffalo falls in this too, it's the players who vote on four, five, six, however many captains there are. The Bears team that I cover for ESPN just did theirs. They've got four. So Diggs being voted on by his peers, the people that he shares a locker room with, the people who were there when he wasn't there. Remember his brief absence that we've just glossed over from minicamp and OTAs, everything's fine now. Those are the same people who voted him into this role. So I can understand what he's talking about, knowing that there was a lot of drama that he created this offseason by not being there. So it's not just production-based. Clearly, He's still held in the utmost of highest regard by his peers in that locker room, guys that he's trying to get past the divisional playoffs with this year. They view him as a leader, and he is a leader. When I covered him in Minnesota, when Diggs is locked in, when he is on like on the level that put him in the category of one of the best receivers in the NFL that got him one of the best con- one of the highest paid contracts when he ended up r- doing his deal in Buffalo. Like when he's that guy in every season, he's been in Buffalo. He's been that guy. You have a chance to be on- to have a winning season bar none. So the value of him in that locker room from that perspective on the field, but also from the leadership stuff that we clearly don't see That's represented in the fact of why he's a captain. And I can understand 29 years old, all these seasons in, the frustrations that boiled over on the sideline against Cincinnati last year in the playoffs that everyone saw, him and Josh Allen going at it, really digs going at Josh Allen, and Josh Allen sitting there in the snow not doing anything. That all apparently just went away. And his teammates were willing to say, no, it's all good. We know you are a high-level competitor and that's okay. We're going to give that a pass and still put you into this role. I kind of sensed, at least from what he was saying there, not, not relief, that's the wrong word, but I feel good that I'm in this position, that I haven't done anything that's burned bridges with my teammates.
2: I mean, I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, we're, we're back on this Buffalo train. That's what I'm thinking. Because I, I don't know of any valid reason why so many people would be Either I don't want to say anti-Buffalo, but everywhere I've looked, in Vegas and outside, I can't find anyone who wants to pick this team. And yet they have the second-best odds to win the AFC behind Kansas City. They were the darling last year, two years ago in that loss to Kansas City in the playoffs, that epic playoff game. Everyone was talking about how this is going to be the next big rivalry. The team is still loaded on both sides of the ball. Yeah, the Miller injury is something. Okay, we get it. But at the same time, you're a a two-and-a-half-point favorite week one against Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. You beat them there, you're off and running. Why does no one want to pick this team? And ultimately, I thought it came down to the potential drama in the locker room. But if Diggs is going to be a captain, I I, I can't see how they're dealing with that kind of drama. Unless somehow maybe it wasn't a player vote or it was and they decided to make him a captain just because they wanted to be able to say, all right, look, look, let's see if this changes things. Now, that's the old Joe Fortenball conspiracy angle and more on that another day. Better conspiracy for you. Aaron Donald, is he headed for the trade block? Ooh, she's Courtney Cronin. I'm Joe Fordball. That's coming up next. Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio.
0: Joe and Amber, the podcast. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast.
1: Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.
2: Makes me sick with jealousy. Absolutely sick with jealousy. Chris Canty, hey, it's your resident Super Bowl champ.
3: What a flex. I mean, he's the only Super Bowl champ that we have on ESPN Radio who has his own show. So
4: he only has I'm, one so i mean one super
3: bowl yeah, yeah none of us have one
2: what a
4: loser what <laughs> a loser that guy is Win more than right? one income
2: talk what a him, bum know? only one super bowl and all the other success he's had in life and graduating from university of virginia which is a very difficult school to get into oh my god i hope i don't see him face to face after if he hears these comments he's he's He is a refrigerator of a human being, and not like a six foot seven. I've I've stood
3: next to him before; I felt very small.
2: Did you ever wonder, when you're next to someone like that, how is it that you're classified as a human and I'm classified as a human? We are clearly not the same thing. Like I I don't, I've never seen an ant fifteen times larger than another ant. You know what I'm saying? Now some idiot scientist will probably call the show and say, "Oh yeah, there there are ants that are quite that size," but you know what I'm saying? Uh, Most snakes of the same variety, right? Like a King Cobra is a King Cobra. How much different can they be? How can Canty and me be the same thing? How can Canty Canty and you be the same thing?
3: Because he's a defensive end and I'm a regular human being who's five foot six and a half on a good day. (laughs) That's She's how Courtney. we can be
2: different. <laughs> She's Courtney Crone and I'm Joe Ford. Well, this is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. More bad news for the Los Angeles Rams. 5-12 last season coming off a Super Bowl win. Eh, no big deal. You're off a Super Bowl win. Any fan base on earth will take it. But it seems as if now... When the fans are going to re-engage and people are going to look at this team again and say, all right, you ready to get back to competition? I don't know if it's there, Courtney. The the news came down today. Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup suffered a setback in his return from a hamstring injury. He's now listed as day-to-day. Sean McVay, the head coach, said, quote, I think we just take it a day at a time right now. We want to be able to get him back right. We're obviously a much better team when he's available. These guys have issues on defense. They lost a lot of talent. Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner, Leonard Floyd are all gone. Got us thinking, where are we at with Aaron Donald these days? $31 million per year, two years left on his contract. If things head south, you think anyone's going to pick up the phone and call LA and see if he's interested in maybe exiting to compete? Because I don't know how many years are left for him. So do you think he wants to just ride it out in LA with this type of team?
3: The hardest thing with him is that he has toyed with the idea of retirement before. There was an incredible profile written about him after the Super Bowl win where he's riding on top of the Super Bowl bus with the trophy shirtless because that was his M.O. He was the new J.R. Smith, except a lot more jacked. Uh, And that's what he did after the Super Bowl. He contemplated, do I want to continue doing this? Do I want to retire on top, or do I want to give this another go? And, of course, we know what happened last year, which set the Rams up for maybe a five-win season this year. I mean, this is by design. They're trying to get their salary cap healthy. They're trying to get some draft capital because we know how they felt about that during their Super Bowl run, and whatever – These next two – the the roster that Sean McVay inherited six years ago when he got there is unrecognizable at this point because they went all in, and when you do that, the natural process of attrition comes through to where there's a lot of undoing, and this is the process of undoing. Now, your idea that if they stink this year and by November – Teams are calling about Cooper Cup. Teams are calling about other pieces that they have on the roster that might be siphoned off and not here next year. Teams would certainly be calling about Aaron Donald, but I think what makes it difficult is that this is somebody who has considered retirement before. And if you're going to be trading, I mean, how many first-round picks is Aaron Donald going to garner? One? Two? And I know at this point of his
2: career... If you're taking on $31 million in a cap hit... How many picks would you have to give up as well? There's a small handful of teams that would be able to make those financials work, right? So basically, if you're the Rams, you're just kind of unloading the salary from the books and then hoping for something in return. Do you think he'd be, he would get a first round pick? He's worth it, obviously, in terms of his talent. No one's knocking the talent. But when you have to pick up $31 million essentially per year over the next two years, we can start with, and James is doing an excellent job getting this up on the screen. The Bears next year, as of now, have a hundred million dollars in cap space, but that's with only 36 players signed. You got to get the 53, right? So we can do more of the breakdowns later, but there are only a small handful of teams that could fit that type of number under their cap. How many of those teams have a need for a guy like Donald? Cause you're not going to bring him in. If you stink and you're rebuilding, you're going to bring him in. If you're one guy away from winning the super bowl.
3: Yes because of all the dead money and all the dead money that the Rams would have to take on, or rather the team that would be inheriting him would have to take on. It's following the Rams' model, in a way, of just go all in right now and worry about next year, next year. That's how the NFL truly is structured, even though teams have very complex cap planning that they do on a two- to three-year-out basis. But I would imagine kind of like the Rodgers situation, that there would have to be some concessions on the side of the Rams and on the side of the inheriting team to where salaries get reworked, contracts get reworked, and maybe an extension. So right now he's under contract with the Los Angeles Rams through 2020, really 24, because his 25 salary automatically voids. Yeah, correct. If you're the inheriting team, and he's 31, 32 years old this season, and you can get some idea that he wants to be there to go win another Super Bowl. So let's say it's Buffalo because I'm just thinking about Von Miller and what happened last year and how you know that pass rush that they didn't ha- – the, what they didn't have from Von Miller did affect them in the postseason along with other injuries, but that's a moot point. It's-
2: Cordy almost swallowed her tongue there, by the way, like Winter did a few minutes ago. Anyone catch that? <laughs>
3: No, I did not. I was just. Yeah, you swal- did. I,
2: I know that move because I do it on TV all the time. I get caught swallowing my tongue mid sentence, and I'm like, what, "What's the point of even finishing the analysis?"
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> I will finish my analysis. No, no,
2: please go ahead. A
3: team, like I, I'm, I'm just saying, like if let's say this Chris Jones thing where wasn't to work out. Now I don't okay. think I don't think at all that they would be in a position to not pay Chris Jones. And I mean, like, in the next couple of days. But let's say this thing didn't work out, and, man, Kansas City's really struggling without Chris Jones on the field, and the Rams are really struggling, and they're like, man, this is the lost season. It's sunk cost at this point. That's a team that would be 100% in line to go get a to go get an Aaron Donald, Buffalo, Cincinnati, anybody who's a contender. But again, the financial penalty. I think that there would have to be some concessions from both sides to make this happen because it is so. It's a forty-one million dollar problem right now. That's how astronomical the dead cap charge would be. And that's why there's only a handful of teams that can make it work for 2024, which is why they might have to make it wait if there was no sort of agreement to make it not such a burden for 2023. So the, 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 the list that James put up, Bears, Patriots, Texans, Commanders, Colts, none of those teams scream out at you, instant contender in 2024. But usually, the teams that aren't instant contenders are the ones who can afford it because they have more salary cap space at their disposal.
4: What, what if the what if the Bears are surprisingly good this year? Justin Fields is the guy that everyone thinks he is, and all of a sudden, uh, we're talking about them like we're talking about the Lions this year.
2: What do we know? Anyone who who's clo- who's close with the Bears, who's familiar with the Bears? Yeah, I, I wish might be we somebody. did. I don't
4: know.
2: <laughs> what, what what do you think? I mean, say the Bears. Some people believe the Bears are going to surprise this year. Yeah. You cover them regularly. Let's live in that world where Fields and okay. that offense go nuclear, sure. and and the rest of the NFC North is down, and the NFC in general is pretty thin to begin with. Dallas, Philly, San Francisco, and then you look around. Well, what do you think about something like that? Could they be a team that might kick the tires?
3: it would make sense for improving the interior pass rush that's been their priority that's what they did this off season but they did not really really go all in to get a proven three technique That's what Aaron Donald could fill. That's what Chris Jones could fill. The ties between Ryan Poles and Chris Jones because of the Kansas City stuff, that's well known. Aaron Donald, again, my concern is, especially when it comes to the Bears, they're a young team that is building and wants to have these cornerstone pieces, not guys that are just going to be here for one or two years. If you can get that guarantee from Aaron Donald that he's going to be here two, three, four years, I mean, pass rushers are often in their prime At the age that he's starting, he's been in his prime for a long time because he's the upper echelon of all the elite players that have ever played his position. But if you could get that guarantee that he's going to play two, three, four more seasons, I think that you would at least explore that, assuming that he's already moving on from the Los Angeles Rams. But again, Joe, he's under contract for another couple years. So let's say nothing gets done at the deadline for The Los Angeles Rams and Aaron Donald, then he's there next year when they're in another rebuild unless he says, hey, guys, I'm a great player. Great players don't often want to be part of a rebuild. Please trade me somewhere else.
2: Like if you're the Rams you got I mean you don't want to think like this, but they feel so far away that they want to shed the contract to Stafford, shed the contract to Donald, shed the contract to Cooper Cup. These guys are all in their thirties, and it 's not to say they can't play, but they take up so much money. Stafford Cup, and Donald cost a ton of money. And this team is nowhere near competing. The, start, the front end of this schedule is extremely difficult. They are going to walk into a situation where they could start really slow. What are you going to do? You're going to let Arizona get Caleb Williams when he's right there in your backyard? I mean, the best way to reboot this thing is to shed those contracts, bring in your franchise quarterback, and start building it back up and hopefully you can find yourself back in contention in the next couple of years. You're right. If you can't move Donald by the deadline assuming you would want to, the offseason is where it gets fascinating. Like Chris Jones is entering the last year of his contract this year and wants a new deal. Should Donald want to continue playing, you could end up trying to finagle away where you trade him to a team, he gets a new deal, they prorate the bonus and the and the length of the contract, the cost of the contract so it makes it more cap friendly and then suddenly more teams are in the mix for the player. It would probably make more sense to trade him next year in the offseason than it would this year.
3: And in a similar thing to Aaron Rodgers, he, so his base salary is $10 million in 2024. That becomes guaranteed on the third day of the league year, so in March of 2024. And then he's got... An insane $20 million option bonus that the team can mm. then choose to whenever, between the third day of the league year and up to June 15, they can exercise that. It's probably easier to trade him, though, knowing that, okay, this becomes guaranteed on the third day of the league year, and then you have to like move that, You know, not necessarily go lock into that. Let the other team, the acquiring team, worry about that because they'd be the ones picking it up or not. And you should, at least at that point, knowing how the season plays out, have new teams that are in potential contender situations that might not be there this year, but by the end of this year could be a completely different story.
2: We stumbled onto a new segment yesterday, and we decided we had so much fun with it, we're going to bring it back today. The segment is called Uh or Duh. It is as stupid as it sounds. Yes, yes, you did get that right. Check it out next. She's Courtney Cronin. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio.
0: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
2: It's the moment you've all been waiting for. Alongside Courtney Cronin, I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. College football is back. Florida, Utah kicking off in just a bit. We'll keep you updated on all the latest there. But we stumbled into gold yesterday. We were playing a little game We came up with it at the last minute. Ascending or descending teams were presented to us, and we had to tell you whether or not we thought they were ascending teams or descending teams. Everyone took exception to the way I pronounced ascending. I didn't want to say ascending. Children, you you said ascending,
3: ascending, and that's what was I saying?
2: Ascending. You said ascending, and that is the
3: improper pronunciation of the word.
2: Okay, so I was saying ascending and descending, and you were telling me it's ascending.
3: It's ascending. Ascending. Like, just say it, like, all together. Ascending.
2: I can't do it. It's got to be, I have to make a real big deal about it, okay? It's either ascending, sending uh sending or a-sending. It's one of those three. It's the only way to get the point across to people.
3: That's why make I told you to go for ascending. <laughs> uh sending Like, put, write out U-H-sending. Right. And that's how you should pronounce it. So it turned into this very clever, unique into, segment. It
2: turned into what we are calling uh or
1: duh
0: previously on Joe and Amber.
2: Going to play a little game here, NFL related called Ascending, Descending. Very clever in these parts. Ascending, is that how you say it? I'm afraid if I don't say it, ascending, I'm going to be talking about the posterior portion of the body when about, I pronounce it. How and about then you, I'm really put, good
3: you spell it differently? Ascending, U-H sending. U-H sending. That's what uh, you ascending?
2: Ascending, uh, uh, the masterpiece ending. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Make them say uh. Ascending uh, and descending.
3: How's that? No, like? no, it's ascending uh, and descending. <laughs> (laughs) get it half right now we have it all wrong
2: call it uh or duh Uh, that's the name of the segment uh Uh, or duh I didn't know that was going to be played that nice. Listening back on that, that's one of the stupidest conversations I've ever had in my life. Is there any way to disagree with that?
3: Hey, I was part of that conversation. I thought I taught you something in all of that. You,
2: you were the smart part, though. I was the idiotic part. That's the part that worries me. You were at least breaking it down and making sense. James Steele, producer extraordinaire, welcome to the show. You're going to be hosting this little project called Uh or Duh.
4: Take it away. All right. So up first, the Jaguars... They were first in the AFC South. First of all, how
2: did you pronounce that
4: team name? Why
3: can none of you Jaguars. pronounce anything correctly? Jaguars? It's not Jaguars. Jaguars. Jag-wire. No, but Let me say something really quick. <laughs> Joe, when I heard our open for our dub, you said posterior. It's posterior. Like, can we just, like, pronounce. Words in the English language correctly, guys. All right,
4: the Jaguars. She, she has First a very the...
2: fair point about everything she's saying. Very fair point.
3: Jaguars. Yeah.
4: Jaguars. Jaguars. First in the AFC South. They had the epic comeback versus the Chargers in the uh, wild card round. Lost to the Chiefs in the divisional round. They were nine and eight last year. Joe, us ending or dust ending? <laughs>
2: Uh, The Jaguars are very much, uh, in my opinion, but I don't think they're as, uh, as everybody is projecting. They're, they're, they're one of these trendy, sexy teams this summer. If you're not picking the chiefs or the Bengals to win the AFC or the jets, people are trying to slide in there with the Jags, two problems with the Jags. Number one, the offensive line. Right tackle left in the offseason, signed with Kansas City. Left tackle suspended first four games of the year. They're a bit thin up front. Number two, defensively, 14 of I believe their 52 sacks are no longer with the team. So I don't know if they're going to be able to get as much pressure as they did last year. I don't know if they're protect as well. They're in a weak division, so they'll win it. I could see them 10-7, and seven winning the AFC South, and then losing their first playoff game. But they are definitely, uh, they're moving in the right direction.
3: I will say they are uh as well. They're soft ske- they have a soft schedule. Trevor Lawrence is ready to, he's already taken the next step. He's ready to go into that next echelon that's going to put him into the top five, top six quarterback conversation. And you've got Doug Peterson. All of those things together, that's a 12-win team right there. And I know that having the Titans twice a year, that's going to be tough but they don't have the offense that the Jaguars have. And yes, your concerns about some of the suspensions and injuries are valid. They've got the biggest hurdle solved, and they had it solved two years in with Trevor Lawrence being the guy, proving he's their franchise quarterback. They are ascending all the way to the top of that division. I don't think it's going to be particularly close either with the other division finishers. Sneaky divisional, maybe sneaky AFC championship bet right there.
4: I wouldn't mind seeing them lose to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Let's change it up a little bit and uh, go to what? Here you, to, go. What? Go, Here you to, go. I'm gonna let's just changing it up a little place. bit, <laughs> and uh, we'll, let's go with uh, Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. Uh, threw for 3,700 yards last year, 22 touchdowns, had uh, uh, added 760 yards rushing and 13 more touchdowns. Uh, was right in the MVP mix up until the end of the season where he got hurt. Obviously led the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Uh, ascending or ending, Joe uh, Jalen hurts.
2: It kills me to say this, but this is going to be duh, duh, sending. I think long term he's got everything it takes, but based on what we saw last season and what we're going to see this season, I think there's going to be some duh in terms of descending value. Philadelphia last year had one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. That is not the case this year. In addition to that, they were one of the healthiest teams in the NFL. There's such a thing called injury luck and Philly was very, very healthy. It is really difficult to maintain injury luck from one year to the next, whether it's really good injury luck or really bad injury luck. I would project more injuries this year, which in turn is going to lead to some more losses. Still competitive, but I think ultimately Hurts takes a small step back this year. Slight duh for Jalen Hurts.
3: I think it's a slight uh. Brian Johnson, uh. his OC, has been with him for several years now. He's got another year with Dallas Goddard, with A.J. Brown, with Devontae Smith. I think he will be just fine. He was an MVP candidate last year until he got hurt. If he didn't miss those two games, that's a closer conversation than James Steele wants to have on this show.
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, closer, I mean, you could try to knock James Steele down, but it, does, it doesn't work. It, it's just...
4: Joe's been trying for eight months.
3: He's knocked himself down with the way that he pronounces things. I mean, both
4: Jaguars. What I don't see what's wrong with that.
3: J. apostrophe
2: Jaguars. There's three ways to say it. There's Jaguars, Jaguars, and then there's the the British Jaguar. And if you ever listen to that, that's the best way to do it. She's Courtney Cronin. and I'm Joe Fornball. College football is back. Florida, Utah. We're talking about that next. ESPN Radio.
0: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
2: Robert Half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring.